Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Servants of Grace Theology segment. On today's episode, one of our listeners writes in, and they have a great question. Is a necessary evil biblical? Well, this this right here, guys, is a great question. Necessary evil implies that certain things are warranted by the situation the person is facing. And as we consider the phrase unnecessary evil, we need to understand that it's unbiblical because it teaches that it is never morally acceptable or necessary if something is evil. Necessary evil can have some validity depending on how it's understood, with the difference being how one defines a phrase. Now, that might be really tough to to understand, but Follow with me here. Evil is used in two ways in Scripture. First, the Scripture speaks of evil as moral wickedness about sin. English speakers would understand evil in this way, but Hebrew is a highly contextual language. The Old Testament references moral evil as closely connected to catastrophe, disaster, tragedy, or even ugliness. Isaiah 31 verse 2 even uses the phrase evil in both ways. While modern English translates the use of evil for morality, older translations such as Isaiah 45, 7 and the King James uses evil about disaster, resulting in confusion about understanding the term. Now, moral evil is contrary to the nature of God and never necessary. The Lord offers a solution no matter the situation that does not require evil. Moral evil is neither justified by the moral law of God nor excused by any situation. Some people think that any kind of sin may be permissible, but it is never necessary in the eyes of God. It also needs to be explained that circumstances define actions themselves. This this should not be viewed as situational ethics, which has as its foundation no objective moral laws beyond the ends justifying the means. Instead, it's an acknowledgement that morality is not defined by words, but by our response to the will of God in each moment of our lives. The opposite of this would be legalism, which means that abstractions and grammar are more important than the person's response to the situation. Well, you see, Exodus 20 verse 13 is a biblical example of the difference between what we have discussed here today. The word for murder in Exodus 20.13 is a Hebrew word, ratash. It refers to the predatory, unjustified, or even premeditated slaughter. And yet it also needs to be said not every instance of one man killing another is murder. For example, capital punishment, self-defense, legitimate war are not examples of murder. Sometimes those actions can be referred to as a necessary evil or even a necessary tragedy or even ugliness. Those examples are not morally evil. And the difference is found in the types of situations they exemplify. The moral principle behind these three examples is absolute and objective. And so the circumstance defines and how the principles are applied in a given situation. Not every situation offers clear-cut guidelines for making decisions. 
For example, some events in Scripture need to be distinguished between justified ugliness and unjustified evil. Hebrew midwives lied to stop infants from being slaughtered, and so the Lord is even said to have dealt with them in that instance. Rahab lied to protect Israel uh, spies in Jericho in Joshua 2, 1 through 7, which resulted in a rescue from death and her uh, commendation in the New Testament in James 2, 25 through 26. Ehud assassinated the evil king Eglon, leading to an extended peace for Israel. Other examples from scripture show how guidelines cannot be set so slightly. Saul assumed that it would be better to make a sacrifice rather than following the rules to wait for Samuel. In Saul's situation, his sacrifice was condemned by the Lord. Uzziah touched the Ark of the Covenant to stop it from failing, falling. His action violated a strict rule, which resulted in him being killed. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a modern example of these principles. Defending his participation in a plot to assassinate Hitler, Bonhoeffer said, What is worse than doing evil is being evil. These are not easy issues, and there are Christians on both sides of them. What we can say is if we take necessary evil literally, it's unbiblical. Whether circumstances might be morally justified or actions or not, the Lord would otherwise prohibit according to his judgment and not ours, which is even more difficult to entangle. We should not oversimplify such situations, nor confuse them for being discerning. Hebrews 5.14 makes it clear that genuine moral discernment requires training. And even so, our preferences ought to be humble and trusting obedience rather than make excuses or be indifferent about them. Three critical comforts can help Christians when confronted with evil and suffering. First, Christians can know that they never suffer alone. God is, a, is acquainted with suffering, for he has suffered in Christ. And Jesus came into the world as a man, suffering with human beings and for them. God himself entered into the raw, ugly mix of evil. Of all the world's religions, only Christianity reveals a God who suffers with and for humanity. His suffering in his earthly life and relationships and on the cross can transform his people's experience of suffering. Even now, Jesus serves as a great high priest interceding for believers during their trials and difficulty. Jesus is not aloof or even indifferent to human anguish, for he suffered as the God-man. In fact, the author of Hebrews describes Christ's role as a sympathetic high priest in Hebrews 4, 14-16, saying this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Second, God calls his children to live a life of faith, confidence, and trust in the goodness and the sovereignty of God despite the presence of evil and suffering. In fact, scripture points to the, the compelling example of Abraham, Moses, Job, and Paul. In the words of a familiar song, Christians don't know what the future holds, but they do know who holds the future. And faith is trusting in the character of God when circumstances are painful and even confusing. Christians can trust God amidst suffering because they're aware of his character and his promises. In fact, the Apostle Paul assures the church through asking and answering a probing question in Romans 8, 35 and 37, saying this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Finally, you see, evil and suffering go beyond a logical or even a philosophical problem. They are deeply personal and human problems. When people face suffering, they need comfort and they need reassurance. And Christians can and should confront evil and suffering in a powerful, practical way by comforting those afflicted by evil and by easing the suffering of the people around them. In fact, the historic Christian answer to the problem of evil and suffering is found in the example as well as the identity of Jesus Christ. God came in the flesh to heal his children's suffering, to comfort as well as to teach, and ultimately to destroy the power of evil. The suffering of God in Christ finished its sufficient work is a solution to the problem of evil for human beings. I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.